You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 77 called 10 EdTech Tools for Real-Time Collaboration. In this episode, we'll tackle a subject that is more important than ever in education, real-time collaboration. We've collected 10 new tech tools that allow for real student-to-student and or teacher-to-student collaboration in a world of hybrid and online learning. This is another episode you don't want to miss. Check it out. So we're hopping into episode 77, and uh, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that I feel like we just got done with 75, and we're almost on our way to a, a great milestone of 100. We're going to have to plan something pretty awesome. So, uh, Nick, what has been going on? Not a lot, man. It's uh, pretty much the same place I was a couple weeks ago. One difference, I guess, is uh, I feel like springtime, not that it's spring, but we're coming up on spring. It sort of starts to feel like PD season. The emails start rolling in for those, you know, the early summer, late spring conferences. Of course, they're all virtual this year, but you're starting to see a lot of that. You and I are lining up a lot of our uh, sessions that we typically present. And we we sort of started that off early this week. We did a, it was a, a PD on uh, feedback, I believe. And it was it was really nice. Usually when Geis and I present, uh, since most of our listeners probably haven't seen us in person, we do like, it's like a scattershot style. Here's here's 20, you know, here's 20 um, different tools and it's, it's great, but it can overwhelm people, right? But this time we changed it up and we just did like three tools only, which was weird for us, but we really focused in on them. And I, I kind of wanted to let people know that we have those available in video format if you want to check out our YouTube page. So I talked about Edgy. I believe you talked about two tools yourself, correct? Yeah, I talked about Blookit, which is a new gamification tool that we've talked about recently. And I also talked about Moat, which is like my all-time go-to feedback tool. So those are both awesome tools and they, they keep uh, building on on themselves to make themselves better. So those are two tools that if you have not checked out, you probably want to go over, check out the video and maybe even implement those into your class. But going into what you said with uh, our ed tech throwdown is what we call it. Typically when we we square off, pick five to seven tools a piece and, and we have a vote, which I win most of the time. But I mean, that that's a great PD because they leave with a resource that they're able to visit every single time they get a professional development from us. So we make all the videos that are inside of that that slide deck. So there's one slide that says all about the tool that we talk about. And then there's another slide of how to implement it and a couple of examples of how you can implement it into your class. So they always have it. It's, it's a nice, uh, you know, thanks for coming to our PD. Here's something that you could take with you. Maybe right now is not the time to implement these tech tools into your class, but guess what? You'll have this to check back on later when you're when you are ready. Yeah, it's one of my favorite session to present. And we also talked about we haven't done it yet, but we may very soon be recording uh, the entirety of that session. It takes us about 45 minutes live. I bet we could do it faster if we're just doing a straight record, but just recording us doing that and posting it online too. But we'll let you guys know uh, if and when that happens. Something else that I think deserves 
mentioned is that guys has actually been teaching this year we talked about it a lot at the end of summer but it sort of has uh, you know it's become less of a big deal because it's just been our year it's been how things are but you're done man you survived ap bio and you, you've been relieved from your duty because the person and the normal teacher who was on maternity leave is now back so i know how much work it is to teach an ap science course and uh congratulations you did it how does that feel it, it feels amazing i'm gonna say this uh i'm gonna miss my students they are awesome. I had a great time. They accepted me with grace. I told them the first day that I'm I'm a placeholder that needs to get them from A to B, and I hope that they pick up something along the way. So uh, I hope that they pick something up along the way. I mean, I don't know what else to say there, but they did give me a lot of grace when it came to, I tried a whole bunch of new things, and then I used those experiences to share with our colleagues and things like that. But I mean, I just had a good time. It, it made me realize how much I do miss the classroom, and I, I can't say that enough. I mean, it was such a fantastic class and, uh, you know, definitely going to miss them, but I survived. Now I'm on the other side and and I get to focus on our next project. And I, I will say that I'm happy to announce that we have released two podcasts that are student-driven, student-ran and teacher-supported. And we have another four happening right now. And we hope to to put those on iTunes and, and, and share those out as well. The two that we have released now, one is called My AP Biology Thoughts, and it's my students taking topics from every unit, breaking them down, providing an example, the definitions. And then the big thing that I really like that they came up with is tying it into the overall curriculum. So how does this little piece of content, how does a small topic really fit and connect with all the other units and, and the other topics within the AP bio curriculum. So that one's called My AP Biology Thoughts. We're working on developing the website. It's almost done. We're just waiting for a couple other podcasts to, to get published and a couple other blogs to get published. But then uh, I will be sharing out that URL as well to check out. Like I said, this is all student-ran, teacher-supported. So we're just checking over the content, giving them feedback and suggestions. But students are content creators here, which I think is pretty awesome. The other podcast is called G the GPS Podcast, a Global Public Service Podcast. And this is a class that picked a nonprofit organization, and they're really shining light on what that nonprofit does and how you can get involved. And some of them got some virtual guests uh, to come in. They interviewed them and talked with them. So we also had that going. We have a music theory one in the making. We have a sources of strength podcast in the making, as well as a theater podcast in the making. So we have all these exciting things along with some blogging and uh, digital artwork that's going to be displayed on this website. So I got my hands full with that. Nick, you're diving into that with me as well. And uh, hopefully we'll have that to share soon. Yeah. I mean, if you're listening, you can expect a lot more on that, at least an entire show where we talk about, you know, this idea of students as content creators in the most real life way possible. So we'll, we'll get more into it, but I thought it'd be nice to mention that some of these are actually, they're out there. I think the AP bio one, we were just looking a couple hours ago, it's uh, blowing up oddly enough in India and hopefully that'll spread to other places as well. So it's just super cool. And you guys are going to want to check it out. The other thing that I we wanted to share out is we're, we're trying something else here, something new. It's, it's an app that is, I mean, literally just like four days old for me. It's called Clubhouse. I'm going to, I'm probably going to let you talk about it. So I don't butcher what this thing is, but imagine uh, kind of reminded me of like a Twitter chat, but you're actually talking. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. So Clubhouse is taking the world by storm. And if you're an 
iPhone user can get an invite from somebody. You have to get someone that is already on the platform to invite you. I think I have a couple of invites left. I know Nick has some invites left. So if this is something that interests you, you can reach out to us at Guys Got Teched or at Nick Got Teched. And if you're on Clubhouse, come find us at Guys Got Teched and at Nick Got Tech. We do run a room. It's connected with the EduMatch Clubhouse. And EduMatch is uh, an awesome uh, educator group and publishing service uh, ran by Sarah Thomas, Dr. Sarah Thomas. And you can find her at, at Sarah, D-A-T-E-E-C-H-U-R, Sarah the Teacher. There's an awesome story that I've heard a couple times behind that, but make sure you connect with her as well. Uh, we are running a, a clubhouse room on Wednesday, and it typically starts uh, at 3.15, and we go for about a half an hour. And we just go in there, and we talk ed tech. Uh, we're, not, we're not promoting tools that we're getting paid by. I know in this clubhouse area, there's a lot of that going on, which has some value to it. Basically, we want to take questions, any questions of like what ed tech or what projects do you want to use that you wish you had something to enhance that project with in the terms of ed tech? So uh, next week, we're going to talk about, I forget what we said we were going to talk about. Is it this this week was kind of remote learning ed tech that, you know, helped us out next week? Oh, student content creation. That's that, the one. Yeah, that's good. the one. So we have that going on. So, I mean, very excited. We had 12, 12 to 15 people stop by. I think out of those 12 to 15 people, eight of the 12 to 15 participated. So if you get a chance to stop by, we'll call you up. And if you have some a tip, a trick, a tech tool, really anything, it's a it's an open space, friendly place. And uh, we'll, we'll give you some time on the mic to introduce yourself. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So definitely you're going to want to check it out. And that's what's new with us. Stay tuned for segment two, where we actually get into uh, some of these ed tech tools for real time collaboration. You can follow Got Tech outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at We Got Teched. We actually came up with this in a prior episode. I think it was just the most recent one. So uh, you can check out episode 76 where this sort of uh, grew out of. But we just in talking through that episode, I started to notice that um, there's sort of like this theme or this this ability of certain ed tech tools. Uh, that ability is real time collaboration. And that is, you know, of course, just students or just uh, separate. It doesn't have to be students, but multiple people working on the same digital device or digital tool or whatever it is simultaneously. Simultaneously, and, and you can you can see what the other person is doing in real time, and it's it's tough to do because, of course, there's a lot of computing power that has to go on in the background of that, and it's it's kind of rare, but it's also sort of like the most valuable thing you can have in a tech tool, especially now because so many of us are hybrid or remote. So you're trying to get kids to actually work in this way while being miles or hours or, or even days separated from each other distance wise. So, you know, at the time we were just mentioning some that do this like edgy or Canva, Canva, that image editing software. I just learned this recently. Guys and I were in a Canva account together. And as he would make an edit on the image, I saw that reflect on my computer. I didn't even know that was an option. We video, which we talk about a lot, they just released a real time editing, which is, which is really really impressive to be able to edit videos in real time. And it just kind of got me thinking that this is a huge space and we should probably do an episode where we just kind of share some things that can do that. So we're going to stay away from our old tools like Edgy, Canva, and WeVideo. We actually went out and found uh, some new tools, at least new to us, uh, that offer this real 
time collaboration element to them. And I'll get straight into it with my first one. This is also maybe my favorite out of the 10. It's called bit.ai. And it's it's hard to really describe what bit.ai is because I don't think it's really like anything else that's out there. The closest thing I could come up with is like a like a hyperdoc style Google Doc, but it's so much more. Clearly, this is made for the business world, so what they call a team. But if you're going to do this in your classroom, it's for any group of individuals. You come together on this one document, and you can all create in that space as you collaborate in real time, of course, and organizing things. Um, it's just supposed to be like the fastest way to to pull together everybody's notes and documents and wikis and, and knowledge bases and projects and all sorts of different stuff. I think the best way to understand this is for me to sort of run down some of the things that you can build into your bit.ai as you're building it. So they've got a template gallery that you can go there to get started and pull one of their templates to start your creation. After that, I invite people to collaborate on it together. Uh, part of it could just be as simple as editing text. So they have you know your typical text editors. You can do fonts and bold, italic, whatever else you need to make it look nice and professional with different themes and images and, and color, like branding almost. That's one of the things that struck me as you unique here is, is these things are very attractive. They look almost like they could be websites. Uh, one of the cooler parts to it is all the different stuff that you can add to it beyond just text pictures and links. You can do all that stuff too, but they have things like, you know, link previews. So if you embed a link and hover over it, uh, you can get a preview and a little pop-up that shows like where that link is going to take you. Inline commenting, very similar to what you have with Google Docs and, and those other uh, G Suite services. The neatest one and the most unique one is different widgets that you can add. So embedding actual different file types and images, text blocks, code, math equations. And that's what kind of stood out to me. You can embed your cloud files. Your Google, Google Drive folder can be right in there. So if you're working on a project as a group and need a certain folder in your drive for everyone to have access to, pop that right in. Smart tables that update automatically as uh, data is gathered into spreadsheets somewhere else. I mean, I should probably stop because there's just way too much to even talk about here, but these things look so cool. And I haven't seen much on how this is used in education. Like I said, it's mostly a business platform right now, but it just strikes me as one of those things that could make the jump from the business world to the education world. So that's that's bit.ai. Yeah, that's a that's a great point that you made there with it's, it's starting in business, but I feel like a lot of these tools that are making their way into education do start as business. I know Moat did. I know Canva is used by a lot of businesses. Uh, so I kind of get it. And there is a lot of overlap because when you think of it now, we want to start these uh, student-centered projects ways of learning. And that's what business is all about. You're making these projects as a team. You're going over this and that as a team. So check out bit.ai. I'm going to go into one that I really enjoy. And I the first, I got to give credit where credit is due. I saw someone do this on a piece of paper for the longest amount of time. And you can do that. But a lot of us are getting used to teaching with an iPad, especially if we're doing a hybrid lesson or something like that, where we're annotating. So I think this would fit into that digital realm there, but it's called equity maps. So basically what you do is you make a seating chart of all the students in your class, whether they're remote, whether they're in person, if they're all in person, you could do it and you have a discussion. Now, Nick and I, we had a digital or hybrid learning guide that we made and we showed you our setup and our setup allowed us to have this complete circle of communication where 
people in the classroom can hear the people at home and the people at home can easily hear the people in the classroom, teacher and students from all over the room. So I'm thinking about that setup and I'm thinking about equity maps. All your students are on on a map spread out, kind of like in a circle. And if I talk, you start a pencil point where I am. And then once Nick talks, you draw a line over and then someone else talks and you draw a line to that person. And at the end, how many lines that are going from a person somewhere else, you know how many times that person participated. And this is huge in the discussion. It gives you so much data that you can see. If you share your screen here, then students can see how many times they participated. And sometimes it gives them the motivation to jump into the discussion, you know, to get some credit for that day or to contribute to the conversation. Yeah, this looks like a really cool thing. Doing it by paper is the only way I've ever seen. But, uh, you know, what a what an obvious jump to digitize that and all that data then becomes way more accessible. So that's a pretty cool one. So is this other one that we found. It's called Book Create. It's essentially a tool, an online tool for creating digital books. Ebooks is what we've typically called them. You know, Geis and I have talked about doing this as a class project where uh, your Google Slides essentially become a book and you use that, maybe that publish to web feature or print it as a PDF. And, you know, with that, anybody can essentially publish the, you know, their own digital book. But Book Creator is like a tool that does that all all built in and all on its own. And it's specifically designed for that purpose. Um, And it looks really, really super cool. Of course, you can collaborate in real time. So it's kind of built for that is this remote learning environment. So your kids can work on it together. They don't have to be in the same space. Uh, Some of the features that it offers as the students are building their eBooks, there's uh, tons of different fonts. I think they said like 50 fonts, you can put in images from online or that the students take themselves, add in video as part of the the book or music, which is really cool. There's like a little pen, so a drawing tool, shapes, icons, arrows, emojis, all kinds of different layouts and templates that the kids can use and choose from um, to to sort of make this thing look as professional as possible. Uh, My favorite part that I've seen so far, just as I was browsing this today, is some of the different themes and templates that they offer are really great in in the auto draw feature where you can go in and use this little pen uh, almost like tablet style and if i wanted to draw like a bike let's say you know my my drawing of a of a bicycle would be pretty crappy using my mouse but it recognizes that and it automatically turns it into a nice clean little like a professionally drawn little picture of a bicycle and then i can embed that icon into my book and there's just tons of cool different things like that. Uh, if you go there too, you can see there's like, t- this thing must have been around for a while. We're calling it new. It's really just new to us, but there's like 2 million different eBooks that have been created with this tool so far. So uh, book creator looks pretty awesome. Oh, and sorry, it doesn't have to just be books, poetry, science reports, journals, anything you want. Don't limit it to just that idea of publishing a book, but it, it does look really cool. Yeah, this is one that I've known about for a while, but I never really dived into until recently because uh, we had a teacher that wanted to celebrate Black History Month and they wanted to share a project with the class so everyone can uh, do research on a person and have it brought together in a book. And this is what uh, I actually found and, and suggested. I've seen Book Creator in almost half of the Twitter chats that I'm involved in, and I've seen it in other places too. I don't know why I didn't check it out because it is super awesome. Another easy, quick thing, and and I wish I would have thought of this prior to me stop teaching, 
I like to know a little bit about my uh, students and, and I'm not one to say, hey, don't eat during my class when you're at home. It, it doesn't bother me. As long as I'm not hearing them chomp in the microphone, it's actually a conversation starter. I had a student that always was finishing her lunch when we were getting started and I always asked her, hey, what do you got today? What, what are you eating? And it was, it was a way to kind of get started and I look forward to it every day. So what if you had your students at the beginning of the year or the beginning of a new class say, all right, I want you to think about something, your family's favorite meal, not your fa favorite meal, but your family's. And I want you to bring that recipe and drop it into this book creator. And now we have a classroom recipe book, something very easy. All they're doing is copying and pasting it in there, making the page look a little nice, uh, you know, put spaghetti and meatball images in there and we're good to go. But it's just a way to get to know. And you could do this with anybody uh, in anything, faculty, staff around the holidays, share your favorite cookie recipe, you know, something like that. And I think book creator could be used for a lot of different things. I'm going to go into my next one now. It's called elink.io. And this really reminds me of Canva. This reminds me of Adobe Spark. It reminds me of other things along those lines. And elink.io, it allows you to build anything with web links. All right. If you want to have a club sign-up sheet and each club has a different Google form, right? you can make that look awesome. You have the athletic club, you have the theater club, the music club, and the singing club. I'm just being very uh, you know, generic there and vague. But you want those four things there and every student needs to sign up for it. Well, make that form look attractive. Uh, you could put it the web links into these forms. You could hyperlink them to other images that way it all looks nice and then they can sign up so it's just a very quick way of building web pages email newsletters rsa uh, rss website widgets social bio links social walls and automated content and much much more so we're creating content in minutes that's elink.io. That sounds pretty cool and, and, and simple, which I like. The The one that I was going to talk about next is not necessarily simple, but if you really want to dive into something and, and put some, some effort into it, put some time, probably with big payoff, this sounds like it might be one of those things. It's called uh, Project Pals, and that's at projectpals.com. I usually try to not just read like the the company's tagline, but I think this one I'm going to do only because it fits it so perfectly. It the, They say online or co online collaborative project-based learning with data and accountability. So I, it just caught my eye because it has so many of those uh, words. I don't want to call them buzzwords because I think these actually have value. Uh, project-based learning, super important. Data, super important. Accountability, probably my number one thing when it comes to education. And it's uh, that's all. All three of those are like right there. Some some more details on what you can do with Project Pals. It's it's a platform essentially for project based lesson design. So everything that they have is built off of like standards and everything else. And if you don't want to use like Common Core, you can put in your own, whatever your own curriculum is, build off of that. Uh, but essentially the students uh, create, get in there and create projects as you sort of inspire them or as you assign them to do. Uh, as they do that, they can do typical things like importing media, 
and, and sort of um, work in this collaborative space in real time with other students, of course, uh, while they're working on this project as a group and interacting with each other and, and uploading different things, you can watch this as the teacher. You can track what they're doing. Uh, there's like in a project analytics uh, sort of aspect to it where you can even set a rubric that will automatically keep track of certain things, like how much time the students spend in Project Pals. And it just shows you that. It'll show you how much time they spend actively in Project Pals. So like not just being there, but actually doing things in there as they're working on this project together. Um, and then publishing these projects afterwards, which is always really cool to lend that element of realism. The kids know that when their project, and just looking through some of these, you can imagine like some of the simpler ones, just like a digital poster, right? There's some text and some images, but these things can get published. So you can create this learning hub where all of your student projects get posted there. You can build that into a school library of these things and as well as just put it out there for other people on the web to see too. So this this looks like, like I said, maybe a time commitment, but big payoff because of all these different things that it can do. Yeah, you get one of these for free. So this might be a project that you just, you do one project on Project Pals and that's your free one. But it's going to take a little bit more time, but I think it's giving students a valuable experience to some life skill slash problem, whatever it may be, Project Pals, check it out. All right, we'll hop into my next one. And it's kind of my theme of the episode, which is discussions, class discussions. And Parlay is the tool and it's it identifies itself as the future of class discussions. And you know what? I think I agree with it. It looks like a pretty sharp tool. It's a discussion-based learning tool and global community of educators who are reimagining class discussions for the 21st century. Once again, a lot of buzzwords, uh, or not buzzwords, but important words, but a lot of them. All right, we have discussion-based learning, global community, and class discussions in 21st century. So a lot of it right there, but it does it, and it does it extremely well. There are several different components of this classroom discussion. The first component is when the students will take notes during the discussion and the teachers can see these. And what's cool about this is that the quiet students that don't participate, you could still see that they know or they're paying attention and they know what they're talking about through their note taking skills. All right. This does work in the hybrid classroom the remote classroom or the in-person classroom, because you could have everyone on their devices. But what you do, the students can hit a button that says tapping in, and it means that they want to talk. If several kids tap in, then you could vote on which one that you want to kind of, you know, come into the discussion and then the teacher could let them in. If you don't want to vote, you don't have to. Uh, so that allows the students to go in and talk and they have this feature where you can throw confetti or clap when there's a great response. So students can kind of reward students with this positive, uh, you know, let them know that they did something great there or the teacher could do the same thing. And I like to kind of play, uh, what is it called? Around the horn. It's the ESPN version around the horn in my classroom where I break them into four four groups and whichever groups make great uh, comments or ask great questions, I like to give them points. So I could see myself, you know, throwing confetti every time someone gets a point for making a great comment or asking a great question. You could have polls uh, brought in there. I mean, polls are pre-determined uh, quiz questions. 
Uh, typically, it has uh, it's a multiple choice question. You can do polls in there. Uh, you can nudge students as the teacher. So if everyone in the classroom participated except one kid and you know that they are comfortable participating, uh, you can hit the nudge button or nudge everybody that hasn't participated in that uh, group. Another way I would use a nudge is if I know that a student answered a question extremely well and I really want them to talk about it, I would nudge them to let them know, hey, you did something really well. This is where you can succeed. I'm nudging you for that purpose. Uh, then you can look at data, how many times uh, students participated. And then there's an assessment where you would give feedback to that student. So that's Parlay. It's an awesome tool. Check it out. I like uh, the, the note-taking aspect of that. I, what, a, what a power to have for me as the teacher to watch and know what students are writing down. So you can, I mean, just knowing it is helpful, but man, so you could kind of call them out in a, in a good way and help them, especially those quiet kids, help them be part of the conversation because uh, you, you'll know that they have they have things to contribute and you can sort of nudge them in that direction. Super cool. Uh, so thanks for sharing Parlay. Uh, my next one I'll do quick just because we have talked about it before, but I think it was one of the better ones and it fits with our theme of, of the day. It's just interacting in real time. Lots of tools, right, to poll students while you are running your lesson. Uh, Mentimeter is probably my current favorite one, and it's the one I was going to feature as part of this list of 10. If you missed the episode, I think it was with our guest, Roshni Desai, uh, who shared uh, Mentimeter with us for the first time. I've been using it ever since. It's interactive presentation and meeting polling. So your PowerPoint is up on the screen as you introduce an activity or, or do some, some direct instruction. And you've got poll questions. The students send those poll questions in. And you can see that data accumulate. You know if they get it. You know if they don't. You know what you have to still go over and talk about. Some of the other built-ins to this uh, that are sort of coming up are just Q&As. So the students can just type in you know, questions that they have about the lesson as you go. And you can see that and respond to those. Um, we, you know, word cloud generators. I'm not such a huge fan of word clouds anymore, but they may serve a purpose for you. Uh, Mentimeter is just, like I said, it's a, it's a really great sort of live lesson polling. And of course, really good for some of that uh, student to teacher real-time collaboration. So I thought of a great use for word clouds. I, I just have to throw it in there because for some reason, when you said it's not really uh, something that you use too much anymore, you know how we used to have a dartboard in our office? Yeah. What if we printed out a word cloud, put it on the dartboard? And this is back when we're all in class and everything. We have students throw darts at the word cloud and whatever word they get, they have to put it in an example and define it. Okay. I don't know. It. That's just a, a way to gamify something. Maybe you do that. You do three words a day or something like that. And at, first I, at first, I thought you were going to just make fun of word clouds and that we were just going to throw darts at a word cloud because they kind of stink. But that might be a way that I actually like to use word clouds. Good for you, man. I thought it would be up your alley. So that's know. good. That's very good. All right. So we're going to go over my next one. This is a, another fantastic feedback tool. It's called Floop. Uh, Floop is a web app that saves teachers time and it helps students see value in feedback. Floop gets students to actively respond to feedback. So a lot of times when teachers give feedback, we don't know if it actually goes on the wayside or you know, if they're actually going to engage with this feedback, a lot of times they don't. All right? And we talk about Moat, which does a fantastic job at giving us data, to let us know that they at least saw it and they can use emojis. But Floop does the same thing, but it actually 
you can ask them questions and they can respond back to you. And it's going to allow you to see that. So you can check out Floop. Another aspect of Floop that I really, really, really like is the fact that you could put student work into Floop, make it anonymous, and share it with other students in the class. And they have to provide feedback, which is also anonymous. And then you could hand it all back to the student and they could see it. The teachers can see the peer review. So if someone puts something, you know, not very cool in the feedback, the teachers still see that. So it's going to deter the students from, you know, not giving constructive criticism. Uh, you could also collect images, PDFs, Google Docs from students and leave text and audio comments that lead to conversation. Yeah, I like Floop. And, you know, if you're a math or a science teacher out there, especially, uh, I, I'm pretty sure from what I've seen so far, and I haven't started using this yet myself, but I may just because it was it was largely designed for that. So students writing out work by hand, uploading that to you to see and then live commenting on those you know, scanned PDFs or picture files, something that you just can't do uh, with like a Google Doc, which is all based on text. And it's really great for commenting over text. Uh, but, you know, for stuff that you're typically writing out with paper and pencil, like calculations or equations and formulas, Floop is super awesome. So I was happy to get to share that one. And um, it kind of leads me into uh, my next one, which is called Spiral. Spiral is really cool. Uh, just, just in that it's sort of combining so many different things, uh, in particular, uh, what they sort of pull together into one place are these different formative assessment platforms that are out there. We go to so many different places now for formative assessment. You got your Mentimeter, right, to gather information uh, as the lesson is happening. You go to Kahoot for the post-lesson game to kind of gather some data on what kids know. Uh, but Spiral kind of pulls all that together into one place. They've got these five different platforms, five different you know, ways to gather that information. Uh, they have, they, there's clever names to them, like uh, Quickfire and Quickfire Lite. These are all just like different types of formative assessment, but now they're all from this one platform. So really cool. Just just some of the examples, like Quickfire Lite are just asking verbal questions. And instead of, you know, kids' hands going up and the whole class responding, uh, they can do that now from any device electronically, really fast, really simple. Uh, the more planned, prepared version of that is like a pre-planned quiz, sort of like your classic question and answer quiz. There's discussions. So if you've got a presentation slide deck, this includes PowerPoints, PDFs. Um, you can turn sort of like a background, almost like a chat room uh, that's there for the students to comment on and share things while they're listening. This other one they call Team Up, which is students doing that. They, they create teams and they're creating and, and sharing presentations that they've worked on together. Uh, I like this because it allows them to sort of take over as basically like a whiteboard space from their device, which looks pretty awesome in something I've been looking for uh, from you know, in a lot of different places and have yet to find one that I really like. So that sounds great. And then a uh, clip, they call it, which is public videos like YouTube videos and building a live chat with built-in quiz questions surrounding that video. So, you know, probably what I would hope is as I was going through those, you were thinking of the many different other ed tech tools that do all those things now pulled together in one spot. So that's that's the benefit of Spiral. Definitely check that one out. Yeah, when you're talking about Spiral, I was thinking a lot of ed tech tools that we identified and used in the years past, like Edmodo. I mean, I see a little bit of Edmodo with that. 
sophia.org. I see a little bit of sophia.org in there. I also see a little bit of uh, Edpuzzle. I was just going to say, Edpuzzle. Yep, that's the other big one. So that's pretty cool. Check out Spiral. Uh, the last one for today is going, it's called Actively Learn. And this is a platform that use, uses text and videos, and it really focuses on ELA, science, and social studies. And it allows you to scaffold and insert higher order questions and thinking. So you're going to find what you teach and you're going to look through some of the pre-made ones. There are some great texts, some videos to pair with it. You could add anything that you like. And what's so cool about this uh, platform is it has these student-assisted technology built in there. You could highlight something, it will read it to you. Um, there are a whole bunch of different accessibility tools in there. Uh, and students can work to share annotations. They can answer questions and chunk text in there. So I really, really like this one, especially for uh, our special education students uh, that have some learning needs that we need to address. So that wraps it up for our 10 uh, real-time collaboration tech tools. And just when I think we're going to run out of new tech tools to talk about, we do some research and find this whole other world. And in this episode was certainly that for me. I hope we taught you guys something new. Uh, remember, if you're a fan of the show, you can follow us and subscribe to us in many, many different ways. And all of those are helpful and, and we appreciate it more than anything else. So, you know, subscribing on Apple or Spotify or Google or Stitcher, YouTube, especially now, because we're putting a lot of energy into that. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, it's like the one-stop shop because everything we do, whether it's a podcast or a blog or you know a YouTube video, it all gets pushed out on that Twitter platform. So definitely check out all those places. If you're a super fan, even better, give us that review. We really appreciate uh, podcast reviews. Hopefully they're positive. Even if they're negative, let us know what we might be doing better. And, you know, maybe uh, the best thing out of all this is just telling your friends to check us out if they like podcasts. And if they don't, tell them to check us out on gottech.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geist and I individually at Geist Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.